Osiris. This podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at OsirisPod.com. DIY and How Studios present Deeper Digs in Rock, part of the Rock and Roll Archaeology Project. Music, culture, technology, and rock and roll. Now, on with the show. I'd like to welcome our newest sponsor, Tongue.fm. That is T-U-N-G dot F-M. Diggers, this is something new and exciting in the podcast world. Something sorely needed. I and several of the rock and roll archaeology team downloaded the app and we immediately fell in love with Tongue's user interface. The ability to share and get recommendations of podcasts from social media is awesome. Plus... You can comment right on the podcast you're listening to and mention friends so they get notifications on what you like or don't like. This is a leap in finding podcasts that you are interested in, way beyond just iTunes reviews. Download Tongue.fm from their website or search the iOS app store. That is T-U-N-G dot F-M, a social podcast player. Hello, all you diggers out there, and welcome to the latest installment of the Rock and Roll Archaeology Project's ongoing series, Deeper Digs in Rock. I'm Christian Swain, and I'm behind the mic in San Francisco. This is the place where we take an in-depth look at a wide range of topics, all of which are connected to rock music in their own unique way. Today, we here at Deeper Digs in Rock have to start out with a very brief mea culpa. Uh, Last episode, we had promised a trip back in time and space to 1956 and Memphis, Tennessee for an encounter with rock and roll's very first supergroup. But as sometimes can happen, the rock gods had other plans, and we were given a very cool opportunity to put together the show you're about to hear instead. Never fear, the show we originally planned is forthcoming. But this was too good an opportunity to pass up. On Friday, September 2nd, we had a chance to check out a show at Slim's in San Francisco put on by a phenomenal bluegrass band from Springfield, Missouri called the Hillbenders. Before the show, my Rock Talk co-host Peter Ferrioli and I were able to sit down with Nolan Lawrence, the Hillbenders' mandolin player, and talk about their performance and some of their individual musical backgrounds. band let's bring you up to speed the thing that caught our attention was more than just their great sound it was their set list the hillbenders are currently on tour of the u.s and canada playing a full bluegrass cover of the most seminal rock opera of all time the who's tommy 
If you haven't ever heard Tommy, then do yourself a favor. Grab a set of headphones, silence your cell, close your doors, and uh, treat yourself to an hour and 15 minutes of epic rock history. Tommy, can you see me? Can I help to cheer you? Ooh, Tommy, 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 Tommy. Tommy, can you hear me? Can you feel me near you? Tommy, can you see me? Can I help to cheer you? Even if you don't know the who all that well, we're willing to bet you'll recognize a track or two. And we know you'll come away with some new favorites. That being said, let's touch on a little bit of the history of bluegrass and how the modern genre is related to rock and roll. We're going to keep this brief since it's out of our natural purview. And our real focus in this episode is this amazing show and the band behind it. Bluegrass is a term used to describe a very fluid genre of American string music. It has its earliest origins in the green hills of Ireland from antiquity, and on this continent it began in the mountains of Appalachia. Until pretty recently, there was no percussion section to bluegrass bands, and many purists will tell you that remains definitively true. That's a very significant deviation from the rock and roll sound. But despite their differences, these two musical genres share the important distinction of being truly American phenomena. Blue moon of Kentucky, keep on shining. Shine on the one it's gone and proved and true. Blue moon of Kentucky, keep on shining. Shine on the one that's gone and left me blue. It was on a moonlight night, the stars shining bright. And they Beginning as early as the 1980s, bluegrass has enjoyed a resurgence in popularity that continues today. The 1990s saw bands emerge playing a new style of bluegrass music, often dubbed jamgrass. Because of the extended improvisation and psychedelic feel of many of the songs. For years, bands like Leftover Salmon and String Cheese Incident put together shows that have a similar vibe to rock and roll jam bands like Fish and the Grateful Dead, often covering their songs and even coordinating tour dates. As one might imagine, they all share a considerable fan base. And as this fan base grew, so did the demand for bluegrass covers that branched out, uh, well, all over the place. was the Gourds with their 1998 cover of Snoop Dogg's Gin and Juice from five years before. It's just one example of the fun diversification of the bluegrass genre that still continues. 
a group called Poor Man's Whiskey has done a fantastic bluegrass rendition of Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon in its entirety. The list goes on and on. So in this vein, and on that note, that we would like you to take a moment to listen to our interview with the Hillbenders' Nolan Lawrence at Slim's in San Francisco from September 2nd. Originally from Corpus Christi, Texas. Uh, oh, you're from Texas. I am. Oh, okay. My dad's from Houston, so oh, really? I spent a lot of time down. In Texas. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Born and raised in Corpus. Spent a lot of time in Austin. Yeah, Austin's music a great thing. music place. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, actually, kind of the way this band got its start, I ended up mo- leaving Austin, going to uh, Leveland, Texas, to study bluegrass. There's a school there called uh, South Plains College that has a commercial bluegrass program, uh, and I met the banjo player for this band there about three years prior to this band forming and uh, we ended up being roommates and played together all the time and wow, look at bluegrass it's uh, it's gotten to yeah. be uh, sort of academic huh? it has <laughs> there's actually more than one program in the country you can study it it's wow. pretty cool. i think sam bush has a mandolin school too <laughs> if he doesn't he shouldn't yeah. or he should <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right so how long did you stay there uh, I was there for a couple of years and uh, ended Is up that moving. Where you met up with the band? So that's where I met the banjo player. Okay. Uh, ended up moving back to Austin. He what moved, was his name? His name is Mark Cassidy. Okay. Uh, I ended up moving back to Austin. He moved to Missouri to join another band that ended up breaking up uh, about two years later. And the leftover members of that band and he called me up from Austin and asked if I was interested in starting another group. And I made my way up to Missouri. We played for a weekend and the rest is history. Oh, so the magic happened over that weekend, huh? Yes. Okay. All right. And when was that? Uh, That was April of 2008. That was actually late March of 2008. We officially formed on the 1st of April, April Fools, 2008. (laughs) That's a good time. And it's taken eight years to come to San Francisco? (laughs) (laughs) It has. It has. Well, they had to pay their dues paying all the mountain town, right? (laughs) On the Appalachian. Man, I tell you what, we have played, uh, I think, 46 out of 50 states now. And we've played California several times, but we've just never made it up to NorCal. Oh, so mostly down in Southern California. Yeah. So you've arrived. We have arrived. We are here. <laughs> yes. Have you guys recorded? We have. We've got three records on the books now, including the Tommy Project, which okay. is uh, what right. we're doing here tonight. Do you think it's all right? Leave the boy with Uncle Front to back, all oh, the way through. You're kidding me. Not okay. not even kidding a bit. There's okay. only one song that didn't make the record, and that's Underture. And the only reason we didn't put that on the record is that it's a it's a Keith Moon feature piece. And and we nobody was up to no taking Moon's piece. Well, I mean, okay, so it's a recap of all the themes in the record that yeah. are already present, and it's all about Moon. And yeah. and we've got everything but Moon on the stage. And although we replicate a lot of what he does, 
There's no way to replace that. What so. if you just take a moment of silence, bow your head for Keith Moon? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what we do with it. We save it for a little bit of special sauce because there's been more than oh. one occasion where there's a drum set behind us for the next band or a house drum right. kit or something right. like that. And if we happen to break a string somewhere during the Tommy set and there's a drum kit behind us, our guitar player happens to be a fantastic drummer, so he'll set down on the guitar, jump back on the drums, and we'll do, break into Underture and just tear through it. Oh, so uh, you know it if you, if if the moment arises. If the moment arises, <laughs> yes. Okay. So right. well, we jumped ahead, so tell us when did the, the album come out, or how did the... Let's talk about the concept. Why did you create an album about... Well, Tommy, why did you cover Tommy? You They're, must love The Who. <laughs> love The Who. Absolutely love The Who. In fact, I think you guys do uh, I Can See for Miles. We do. We do. We'll do that tonight, actually. Okay. Um, the uh, the idea actually originally came from a man named Louis J. Myers, and uh, he was one of the founders of South by Southwest down in Texas. Ah. Uh, he also ran the Folk Alliance International Organization for about a decade and was very, very plugged into the music industry. Apparently, he had the idea for doing a bluegrass Tommy about 20 years ago. Uh -huh. and never had found the right group that he thought could pull it off. He met us about six years ago and was a fan from the very beginning, became very close friends with me. Um, and uh, one one night about two years ago, he was sitting down to dinner with me and my girlfriend at the time and said, you know, I've had this crazy idea for a really long time and I'm about to retire from Folk Alliance and I'm going to have some time on my hands and I think it's time to go ahead and pull the trigger. I want to make a bluegrass Tommy record. The Who's Tommy Bluegrass. And I was like, well, that's really cool. Who the hell's going to do that? <laughs> right. <laughs> that's why we're having lunch. <laughs> no one? Yeah, okay. He looked at me and he's like, well, I kind of thought you would. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> right. So um, from the beginning, it was kind of caught me off guard, and I took it to the band, and, and everybody kind of, you know, well, from the beginning, our guitar player, Jimmy, is a, a huge Who fan. He's a huge Tommy fan. He saw it when he was, I think, 13 years wow. old with his mom. Oh, And okay, he got cool. the record well, and so he's in fell in love with bracket. it. Okay. And, uh, well, he's, he's, no, he's only, he's, uh, well, how old is he? He's 30. We don't have to go. <laughs> So anyway, he saw when he was relatively young, got the record, learned all the lyrics, um, fell in love with it. So when he first heard about it, he was excited, but also kind of skeptical a little bit. Um, and we milled on the idea for maybe a month. And Lewis called me back and said, you know, have you guys talked about it? I said, well, yeah, we talked about it. Nobody's really taking it very seriously. He's like, well, why don't you guys just work up a couple of tunes and if you're interested and shoot them my way and let's talk some more. And and they were like, all right, we'll do, you know, we'll work up Pinball Wizard and maybe... Yeah, the easy ones. Yeah, Acid yeah. Queen or right, something. Right. Um, so we did that and maybe Sparks, I think. We worked mm -hmm. up an original, sent those three to him, and he listened and just came unglued right away. He's like, it. this is exactly what I want. Let's sit down and talk for real. <laughs> right. So uh, he brought us up to Kansas City, and we had a sit-down with him, and he had already laid out this huge spreadsheet with how he envisioned the project was going to work, how much money we would bring 
in, how much merchandise wow. we needed to buy. Like he hey, had wait, it laid who's out. This guy, wow. <laughs> well, he has been doing this for he a has, while, right? He, has, so he had a serious vision for it. Awesome. So, um, we took that and 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 fell right into step with it and uh, and jumped into arranging. Our uh, Jimmy, being such a fan and follower of Tommy already, jumped right onto arranging, and he was the musical director for the project. So he put together the arrangements, the initial set of arrangements, and then we all kind of built upon those. And um, and then about two months later, we found ourselves in a studio for five days recording for the very first time to analog tape. Oh, um, really? Yeah, we okay. had done two records prior two on inch? two inch analog okay. tape oh, and then so the mixed down stuff, the half right. inch tape yeah. and uh, had it mastered yeah, off a like tape. The old days, just right. like the old days, because we wanted to replicate that Who would be proud? Sound. Yeah, <laughs> they would, and they are. Yeah. Have you heard? From, have you heard from we Pete? We have. Or Roger? So from um, before the record was ac- actually released, Lewis sent it off to their management staff and within about an hour of sending it to him Pete responded with an email saying that he absolutely loved it oh, blah, blah. and that uh, they wanted to arrange time for us to meet with them at their at their next show in the area Did you ever see the faces of the children Initially had that scheduled for Kansas City, and they Roger, oh, got, Roger sick. got sick. Right? That's right. Yeah. So they bumped us to the Nashville show. Uh, so we met them at Bridgestone Arena in Nashville and hung backstage for a while. And um, they were just uh, well. Actually, we met Pete that night, and he was super supportive. Um, asked who was the one that sang Acid Queen, and when I raised my hand, he just laughed hysterically, <laughs> and he said, "With a beard like that." <laughs> um, yeah, wow, and uh, and since on. then they've been super supportive. They they helped release the record when it came out. They released one of our videos exclusively for us. They uh, they've posted links to our videos and to our tour wow. schedules. And uh, we actually played with Roger about a month and a half ago in South Carolina for his or no, excuse me, Raleigh, North Carolina for his uh, Teen Cancer America benefit. Oh, very nice. Played Tommy there and played some other stuff there as well. So yeah, it was it. They've been nothing but. Congratulations. That's, Thank that's you. Incredible. Thank yeah. you. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, what's next? Uh, are you going to do like another uh, concept album? Maybe Ziggy Stardust from Mars? Uh, I, I could see that as bluegrass. Christian would produce that. I don't know if that's good as a spreadsheet and all the numbers laid out, but... Well, you know, if we were going to go by requests... The wall. How about the wall? The wall? If we were going to go strictly by the number of requests we oh, received, yeah. it would uh-huh. be Quadrophenia. Because yeah, everybody would be an asks, obvious next Everybody also, asks have the, Who fans, right. have the Who fans come over from the interview? Oh, yeah, yeah, audience? yeah, yeah. We've absolutely got a lot of who people that come out to the shows that are just sometimes skeptical but usually excited to see because they've heard you know rumors about it and they come out and 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 we love when we get who fans out because they know all the words and they're screaming and chanting and fist pumping all the way through it and it's it's fantastic so i'll, I'll try to keep it down <laughs> <laughs>
So have you, when they were approached to do this, do you know who Iron Horse is in the Pick yeah. series? Yeah, absolutely. So, so were, were they in consideration? Because they actually were one of the earliest bands to kind of take on to this bluegrass mm-hmm. transposing this, this music. This isn't the ones who did Gin and Juice, is it? No, no, that no, was no. a That's the band. only one These I've guys, Iron Horse are pretty serious cats. They're uh, yeah, pretty serious. No, they're pretty serious. Yeah. Um, you know, the thing that, that differentiates this, and, and we kind of intended this from the very beginning, is that we wanted to take a more serious rock and roll approach to it. And Love less it. less bluegrass. So Iron Horse and Hasty Dixie are phenomenal bluegrass bands, and they do great bluegrass covers of classic rock songs. We're really playing a classic rock record with, with bluegrass, bluegrass instruments. instruments. Yeah, and that's kind of what I got from the Tommy video. Yeah, yeah. and that's exactly where we wanted it to come from. Yeah. So as much as we love what they did, and they did set the precedent for this kind of project, right. uh, we really wanted to take it a different direction and do something that would be that would stand aside from all of that because that's kind of had its day right as far as we're concerned yeah 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 that, that's a, a niche sort yes. of thing yes uh, yeah you you can go forever on this i mean as long as there's baby boomers and gen xers oh, alive yeah. you could probably make a million albums uh, you know doing uh, the bluegrass instrumentation we absolutely could and, and at the same time tommy has had such a life over you know 45 years 50 years now that there's a lot of there's a lot of demand for Tommy out there. We've played it in, you know, 150 performing arts centers and theaters around the country, and there's, you know, only four or five thousand more that we could possibly hit before it winds up. So, so the video came out in January of last year. Uh, you've got a hundred thousand downloads. Is that is that about when the the album came out? The album dropped in June of last year. Okay, so it's been a little over a year. So, yeah, just uh-huh. just a little over a year since the album dropped, and we've been touring with it since. Uh, um, March of last year, so year and a half or so of touring, and it's absolutely grown leaps and bounds. Um, this year has taken us to Australia. We just got back from a UK tour with it. Um, it's it's just been absolutely fantastic. Wow. Yeah, it just goes to show just how important this music really was. Really, really, seriously. Yeah, it's it's amazing how many people know it or are familiar with it or or are inspired by it. And I'm sure you never thought your career would no. kind of go this route. No. Well, we've been doing this for almost nine years yeah. now and for the first seven and a half of it was all original. Yeah. And, and hard work. I'm and sure. hard work. So how does yeah. that play in now, the originals? are you Do you guys want to get back to them? Are you guys yearning a little bit? Take a break? How is that going with the original music? You know, we still, the, the great part about this is that because we have all of that other material, we can open for ourselves. So in most <laughs> markets we do actually so we'll go to a theater and we'll play an opening hillbender set Mm -hmm. and then play the tommy set so we've been able to expose our music to thousands and thousands of people as a result so it's been really good for us all right so out of the five guys who does the windmills (laughs) uh probably jimmy on the guitar i'll keep an eye on that make sure he does some windmills yes for sure for sure all right very good so Uh, give us the other names of the members of the band and what they play that'd be great so we've got um, the uh, only Californian in the band is Mark Cassidy on banjo. He's from Huntington Beach, California. Originally started out as a rapper, believe it or not. Oh, okay. Um, we've got uh, Gary. I see some rap uh, bluegrass coming <laughs> in the <your> future. Gangstergrass <laughs> is already on oh, top. I'm a fan of Gangstergrass. It's all about Oakland about two months ago. Really? Oh, yeah. Very cool. 
yeah. justified theme song. Yes, guys yes. Riding that wave. Man. Oh yeah, man, they're <laughs> awesome. Um, let's see. We've got uh, Chad Graves on the Dobro, and he's our only tried and true bluegrasser from the start. He was playing bluegrass since the time he was, you know, eight years old. Uh, the rest of us all come from very widely varying influences. Um, then we've got two cousins from Springfield, Missouri: Jimmy Ray on the guitar and Gary Ray on the bass. Uh, and then again, I come from Texas, so very good. Any purists in there who said, "No, I'm not going to play the Who"? No, okay. Actually, you know, you know how those bluegrass purists can be. Well, you know, Chad was probably the only one that wasn't intimately familiar with the record. Although I think he had heard most of it when we, when the discussion was brought up. Um, but he was the only one that had to wrap his head around it a little bit. I think we all had to really get our mind around oh, it because in the beginning, it's like you want to do it, what? You didn't do just a song. You yeah. did a double album. <laughs> yes, that was a rock <laughs> opera. Yes, yes. yes. This yes. is a huge undertaking, and you know, could have turned out to to make it very everybody unhappy at the end. So, oh yeah, that's it, amazing. It could have gone, it could have gone incredibly bad, mm-hmm. or what it has done, which has gone incredibly I'm well. Your wicked Uncle Ernie, I'm glad you won't see or hear me as I fiddle about, fiddle about, fiddle about. Your mother left me here to mind you, and I'm doing what I want to. An amazing journey, uh-huh. to quote Tommy. Did it lead you guys down the path to watch Who performances, learn more about oh, the yeah. Who? Oh yeah. I mean, did you guys have you guys dove in and, and absolutely you know, feel like yeah. the students? You know, that was one of Lewis's um, biggest guidances early, early on in the project when we were still learning arrangements and still kind of gelling around the concept of it all. Um, he encouraged us all to dig into the Who's back catalog, look for, you know, look for stuff that wasn't necessarily uh, the biggest thing that they'd released. Look for deep cuts. Look for no, but learn how they got to hunt to Tommy. Yeah, because they do go through quite a journey. I mean, oh, yeah. remember it's Rogers being to start with. It's maximum R and B. Uh, they get picked up on the mods. They try to follow the mods sort of thing. Um, they have their internal squabbles. It's four guys who really do their own thing when you get right <laughs> down to it. And then it's uh, Lambert and Stamp. I don't know if you've got into hmm. their managers. Um, um, uh, they they were movie guys that decided they wanted to make a movie on the scene of London in 64, 64, 65, and they needed a band, and they found these guys. And so it kind of started off as a movie, and then they ended up managing the band, and then Lambert's father was a was a international conductor and composer, so he had a musical background. So he's the one that kind of realized that Pete was really the guy to focus on mm-hmm. for the writing, because like many of these British bands, they were doing American yeah. you know, music, they were cover bands, and uh, and then through through uh, through Lambert's kind of pushing and grabbing Pete and pulling Pete out, they kind of made him the the de facto leader over mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole strange dynamic that goes with that. And then finally, you know, we get to Tommy, which you know puts them over the over the top in America. They had a hard time getting to America as opposed to the Beatles and the oh, Stones, yeah. which were oh, you yeah. know jumped on real quick. Well, you know, and that strange dynamic I think in some ways probably still exists because even 
even in our short interactions with them, we've never seen them together, together. except on stage. And and they in in fact they have completely separate management facilities and agencies and agents, and they have separate green rooms and separate sides of the stadium. I mean, it's completely there are divisions there. Well, let's see how you guys do after 50 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, real. Yeah, yeah. Would you guys yeah. have the means to have your own dressing room? You probably will. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Planes, limos. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, we see each other enough. I mean, you guys live very on a true. bus together now, very right? True, so, so how many dates a year are you doing? Uh, we're out for about a third of the year. That's okay. about average for us right now. Okay. Does everybody live in Texas now? or No, um, we've got uh, the two cousins still live in Springfield, Missouri. Uh, Gravy's been in Kansas City, and I think he's relocating back to Springfield, Missouri soon. Uh, the banjo player moved back to California about four or three and a half years ago, something like that. Missing um, the surf. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then I got talked into moving out there because I've got a bunch of family out here. Oh, so, so you're I out live of in uh, when, Orange County. Well, okay. Oh. When did you move out here? About a year ago. Oh, okay, awesome. Yeah. But you haven't been in Northern California. But this is the real California. You gotta keep telling. You gotta, <laughs> yeah. He knows Everybody he's from Southern California. Yeah. He spent. Yeah. He did his. Time I grew, I grew up down there in really? Orange County. Yeah, <laughs> nice. yeah. And I moved up here in the '90s, and ah, I would nice. never go back. So, all right. We're also speaking of the Who, so we're going to see them at Desert Trip. You know, the big old cella with the rolling oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, So yeah. That, that's going to be right in your neck of the woods in a yes, couple months absolutely. down there. Uh, not too far from you. Uh, so when do you wrap this tour up? Uh, this particular part of the tour, we're heading back home on Sunday, and then we're back out again, um, I think, in about 10 days after that for another week and a half or so. We've got a couple of sporadic dates through the winter as things start winding down, and then yeah. we'll, we'll be taking a couple of months off at the end of the year to lick our wounds and get freshened up for the next year of it. What about the next record? You know, I... I've been dancing around that because we don't have a firm commitment yet on what we're going to do. We've got at least three major irons in that fire, and um, you want to share the well, live version of Tommy the Emperor? Yeah, well, that's an easy one. Right, yeah. I'll tell you that. Uh, I'll tell you two of them. One of them is a possible full-on Whograss concept, where we do nothing but the Who's biggest hits. Um, Love it. The other one is another original record of ours, and the third will be yet to oh, yet to be mentioned. That's the secret one. Okay, mm -hmm. good. We'll look forward to that. We'll have our listeners look forward yes. to that. All right. We haven't done with a lot. Of, I know a lot of the bluegrass bands, the jamgrass, because of the scene, the festivals, kind of what's happening with bluegrass and where you make your bread and butter these days. I know a lot of bands are moving to Colorado. I got uh, good friends, Green Sky, moved from Michigan mm -hmm. to Colorado. Everyone I know is now lining up. Hey, we live in Colorado. We can hit like seven festivals here without leaving our, you know, our neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is For the center of the country. Yeah, so but bluegrass, now it's the heart of bluegrass. So, really? I yeah. oh, really feel like Arguably. it's from Nashville to Colorado a little Arguably. Bit. Uh, you know, in the last eight years of touring, I would say that Colorado has the most supportive fan base probably of any bluegrass area except except for a few pockets maybe in like North Carolina and and definitely upstate New York has some major love for bluegrass and, and there are pockets here and there but uh, Colorado is probably the largest of them. Yeah, you can make a living year-round living there playing, yeah. you know, that's for a bluegrass band, which yeah. is great. <laughs> well, Nolan, it's been great. This is fantastic. Uh, Peter, anything to add? No, no, at this point uh, maybe we'll, if we have any other questions, we'll call you a follow-up sure, on Skype. Absolutely. We can probably grab you on a phone if we want to fill it out with what we want to do, but we're excited to see it tonight. We're excited oh, yeah. to, to, to definitely listen yeah. to it. Did you ever think you would fall this far for classic rock? You know, my dad had the biggest album collection you've ever seen when I was growing up. He had 
they were antique dealers for 25 years and he would buy estate sales and so he had he would get entire collections wow. of records at one time <laughs> and at one time he had six warehouses full of furniture and antiques and stuff and a wall of boxes full of records all kinds of records and he would just cherry pick what he wanted out of it and our home collection at that time was probably four or five thousand records all alphabetized in big giant racks so I had a plethora of music to listen to and a lot of it was classic rock yeah you had your um, own library I really did so um, I it, it resonates deep within my soul so I, I'm glad that I'm here with it I really am I did I really think that I would end up here giving my jaunt into bluegrass not exactly but I, it's a really nice reunification with uh, my my roots great Nolan thanks very much thank you guys yeah it's been an honor and a pleasure yeah definitely thank you appreciate it Bands like the Hillbenders are the impetus behind the iconic and genre-bending festival, Hardly Strictly Bluegrass, held every year in San Francisco's Golden Gate Park. Warren Hellman, billionaire investor and bluegrass enthusiast, established the free festival 15 years ago, and it only seems to get bigger and more fun every time around. A crowd roughly the size of the city itself, over three-quarters of a million people, are estimated to attend the event annually. This year, fans of bluegrass, rock and roll, and everybody else who wants to join in can catch our new friends, The Hillbenders, presents The Who's Tommy, a bluegrass opry in its entirety. We'll be there, and for those of you who have never attended the festival before, we encourage you to come on out and to experience and enjoy a weekend of free music and good vibes. The timing for our interview couldn't have worked out better. In addition to the upcoming festival, episode 11 of our main podcast about the who and the kinks and the mods will be released next week for your listening pleasure. So we'd like to invite you to check that out as well. Head over to our website, rockandrollarchaeology.com, for more information. And find us wherever you download great podcasts. We want to extend an enthusiastic thank you to the Hillbenders and encourage our friends and fans to head over to their website at hillbenders.com for information on tour dates and much more. They're a great group of really talented guys, and we were so lucky to have had this opportunity to chat with them. And we'll see you right here again next time for another installment of Deeper Digs in Rock, where we will have a conversation with the Dreamweaver himself, Gary Wright. Gary just released a very awesome artifact called Ring of Changes, and we'll talk in depth about his recently unearthed treasure recorded in 1972 and finally just released. He is a supremely talented musician who began in a very influential prog band, Spooky Tooth, as well as a technological wizard that is a little unsung. We think you'll be surprised by what you hear and who he is. Until then, keep up the rockin'. Welcome to the camp. I guess you all know why we're here. My name is Tommy. And I became aware this year If you want to follow me You've got to play pinball And put in your earplugs Put on your eyeshades You know where to put the cork Looking for ways to help right the wrongs of social injustice? 
Oxfam America works with people in more than 90 countries to save lives, develop long-term solutions to poverty, and campaign for social change. And we do it with the help of our friends in the music world. The Beatles were Oxfam supporters back in the day. So were the Stones. And through the years, musicians and music fans have helped Oxfam push hard to work for a just world without poverty. Folks like Radiohead, Coldplay, Pearl Jam, DJ Shadow, and many, many more have encouraged their fans to join the effort. You can too. Go to OxfamAmerica.org to learn how you can help. Deeper Digs in Rocks, produced and hosted by Christian Swain. All sound design and incidental music by Busy Signal Studios. All quotes performed by actors unless noted. Playlists can be found at iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Please purchase these great and important tracks. All songs, clips, and references can be found on our show notes. Please visit rnrap.com for more information. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 